1: and a trendsetter in the field of mindful leadership. Your host, Holly Duckworth.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Mindfulness Show, where we get to have engaging conversations with people out there living mindful lives. And today I am bringing to you someone that I have admired from afar and I had the opportunity to take a class with. As a lifelong learner, we get to live and breathe with with so many different teachers. And so I'm bringing to you today Kevin Rubel, a conscious capitalist amazing business professional and Kevin and I have become dear friends growing this conversation about mindfulness in business. Kevin, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Holly.
2: We're we're so glad to have you here today because I'm sure you've come across this in your, your journey. A lot of people don't think spirituality, mindfulness, and business can go together and yet you've been blazing the trail and living these concepts for such a long time.
0: You know, um, I, uh, I think one of the first opportunities I had to think about uh, spirituality and business not as separate compartmentalized um, um, factors, but, uh, but as one and the same was uh, several years ago when I, uh, uh, I was at a business forum, an entrepreneurs and, and leadership forum at SMU, and um, in Dallas, and I heard Herb Kelleher, one of the founders and uh, CEOs of uh, Southwest Airlines speak. And by that point in time, people were taking Southwest Airlines seriously. This is in the uh, early 90s. Um, they didn't quite take Southwest seriously when they first started up. And um, he, Herb said, I'm here to tell you that you can be successful by putting people first. And um, what I think was more profound—that kind of married um, a life focus or spirituality with uh, with business—was his comment where he said, um, "He said at Southwest Airlines, we just figure we have a company bound by love and not by fear." And um, I think it's pretty courageous for a CEO to invoke love. I see, I see some some coaches, some some advisors, kind of skirt around that. They might use the word freedom. Um, but uh, but I think it took a lot of guts to say uh, that, that they had a company and a very very successful company I might might add that's based on love and not by fear and, and unfortunately a lot of a lot of business today is based in fear.
2: So you've been growing businesses based on love yourself, inspired by the work that you've been doing, and you have a passion for something that. Some might actually say is a dying industry, which is this, I, this industry of trains, full-size trains, model trains. You have circulated love in your energy, in your money, in your brain power, in all these ways, both in full-size trains and now with this really fun business called Caboose located here in Denver. Talk about how you took your own love and infused it into the, the vision of these two companies. Very, very disparate, but you've had sure. and continue to grow success there.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, uh, the, I, uh, I, I, I started out right out of college, undergraduate working for a railroad. And, um, um, I found I was a bit of a misfit for that culture. And so I was in finance for a while. I was in, I was uh, variously in, in commercial lending and investment banking and venture capital. And um, I always kept getting drawn back to this, whether it's nature or nurture, you know, perhaps this genetic defect on a fourth generation railroader. Um, and I, I grew up in, uh, in in the Chicago area where you spend half your life waiting at a grade crossing for a train to go by, which is fine with me. So, <laughs> um, so, Yes. So when I, uh, I had a consulting, I started a consulting firm that would put together, um, acquisition and divestiture deals in the, in the railroad business, um, where large companies were spinning off assets to shortline railroad holding companies or short line railroad operators. And, uh, I was, uh, I was doing due diligence and those type of acquisitions, doing a lot of M and A type stuff around that. And I also, um, um, was at the same time helping companies develop the kind of culture that I saw when I was doing some consulting in graduate school for Southwest Airlines, a more empowered, people-centric culture. Um, Well, I got the opportunity to marry those two passions when we had an opportunity to buy a a line from CSX Transportation uh, that was located in West Michigan, running north out of Grand Rapids. And uh, we started uh, Marquette Rail, and... I didn't share this with anybody. I didn't share it with my board. My board was was not necessarily on the same page as far as conscious capitalism is concerned. They're very, very traditional business people. But uh, I, to myself, I just said, you know, my purpose in starting this company and, and acquiring this line and, and doing so with a majority uh, employee stock ownership plan is to make a difference in people's lives. And uh, to practice the people first, customers second, shareholders third model that I learned at Southwest Airlines, so uh, we we did that, and that was that was that was a fun ride. It was it was seven years, and and we uh, we ended up and ended up selling the company to a strategic buyer because there was just a perfect storm for that. But we created a lot of millionaires. We only had thirty people when we when we sold the company, but. 13 of those had been with us since we started up and all walked away with more than a million dollars in their ESOP account each. Um, I don't think that's really how we made a difference in their lives. I think that's just kind of keeping score. Um, I know that did make a difference in their lives, but uh, but we participated the leadership and management of that firm with our people. Um, I think the, the, the primary way that, I felt it was possible to make a difference in people' people's lives is to make sure they understand that they were understood, that they were valued, and, and not just for their contribution, but for who they are, who they bring to the business. So, uh, um, yeah, after that, I, I moved to Colorado, and um, as my son likes to say, <laughs> my dad uh, used to just be on his crackberry all the time. And, you know, then he moves to Colorado gets a Namaste tattoo and starts snowboarding and he's all chill now. <laughs> so once I got here, I, uh, I, um, you know, I, I did the things that, you know, one often does when they move to a place like this and just enjoy, enjoyed Colorado. But I can never use that, that R word. I won't even speak that R word. And so I, uh, I was kind of looking around for something else to do and the store that I frequented Caboose Hobbies down in, uh, down in Denver um, had, uh, it it turns out it it was, um, they were closing down. And so I I tried to get in to talk to them to see if they'd be interested in selling the business as a going concern prior to that. That didn't quite happen. I got to them right as they were closing the business, but uh, we, we struck a deal to buy The assets of the business, and um, they, uh, and and the purpose, you know, Hero is a little more intentional than just making a difference in people's lives, Um, and I'm certainly more mindful because I, I, I very much believe that if you don't, if you're not intentional about creating your company culture, uh, a company culture is going to, going to create itself, and you may not like what you get. Um, it's it's maybe how to Kevin's method for avoiding a Frankenstein culture, you know, <laughs> is let's be intentional about this and that. Let's let's not just have it evolve. So the purpose um, was to um, and is to to be a profound uh, beneficial presence in the world by supporting people's passion for trains. Um, the industry itself is doing better than it has at any point in history, as far as the amount of freight that it's handling and, 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 um, and the financial results for the industry. So, and we're seeing a lot of kids, uh, young kids, which, which really excites me, uh, come in to the store and, uh, and they're just, they're just on fire for trains. Well, one of my favorite <laughs> brief stories, one of my favorite little vignettes was, um, a friend of mine came over with her with her grandson and he just loves trains and he was inside playing with the, uh, the little Brio wooden train sets. She was trying to get him outside because we have a 26 ton caboose in the parking lot. You know, it's the most awesome conference room anybody in Denver has. So we uh, I wanted to get Jack's out of the, you know, the store and out to see the caboose. So we finally do that. We finally kind of prime away. We're walking out the front door, and as soon as we go, he turns towards a caboose. He starts physically shaking. He's so excited about seeing this caboose. I just love to see that type of thing in in kids. And, you know, we see it in adults, too, but they may not like to admit it.
2: (laughs) Well, no, I'm so glad you brought that you had had a vision that you actualized around having a real caboose in a suburb of Denver Colorado and this is not like oh just conveniently easy on the train tracks we'll just move it a little ways I mean this is a big story
0: yeah 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 it it cost is it potentially cost as much to move it as it did to buy it Um, it was sitting in Parker Colorado next to a building that was owned um, one of the members of their railroad club owned this building and they were selling that building and for some reason the new owner didn't want a caboose i don't know i can't understand that <laughs> and they had approached us to see if we wanted to buy the building and the caboose and i said well, we've got a building so uh long story short we uh we the the new buyer bought the bought the building and said get rid of that caboose and they sold the caboose to us um, and that was the easy part <laughs> moving it required required a heavy duty crane a cra- a cra- i have some awesome pictures of this caboose flying over this office building, hoping it didn't slip, um, flying over this, this office building to be put onto a truck. And then the trucks, the wheels, the wheel sets underneath are put on a separate truck along with the track panel that we bought. And, um, that was driven along the highways through, uh, through Denver to our, to our location over in Lakewood. So that was, uh, that was a that was a fun day it happened actually on my birthday they it, we found somebody who could do it for about half of what everybody else was quoting and I said that's awesome when can you do it he says well I don't think I could do it this weekend I said no 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 <laughs> I'm fine with you know a month out he says how about next weekend I'm like that's my birthday but you know that's okay that'll be a good birthday present so and it's it's definitely it's definitely um, an attraction and you know the way I view it was this I I it kind of drove the type of location we're looking for because I wanted a place to put a caboose out front. Our store is in Denver retail or in the train community is iconic. Um, It's been around since 1938. So we're in our 81st year. And I figured what's more iconic for a store called Caboose than a caboose, which is iconic to railroading. So that's kind of how we ended up doing that.
2: Well, and one of the things that I think differentiates your your experience is this mashup of mindfulness, conscious capitalism, and creating an experience. Now I define mindfulness, I say mindfulness is the practice of being present in the moment with non-judgment. And how we bridge that practice in retail um, can be through creating mindful experiences and memories and so as you're you're talking about this your your friend's son that that just pure joy of being there was there was nothing else but but him and that train and the sights and the sounds right. and the smells
0: right absolutely um yeah, we and we talk about that a lot in fact in hiring we uh you know ultimately if i think of it in those terms we we're, were looking for we're looking for mindful people we're looking for people who are present we're looking for people who uh, understand that we're going to be approached naturally by people who are train enthusiasts. And we have a, a couple that are not necessarily train enthusiasts, but, but they're, uh, um, they, they're learning, <laughs> they're learning a lot about train. But when we hire people, generally they'll interview with me first and then they'll interview with uh, a group of people that of their peers that they'll work with. And what I stress to them in every interview is, Look, we're not hiring you for your knowledge of trains. Um, In all fairness, they had that at the old store. And I went in there for five years and I was spoken to one time in five years. You know, I I didn't come in to, to see how much you know about trains. I come in for, as you say, an experience. And the only way to deliver that is not by what you do necessarily, but by who you are and the energy that you bring to that interaction with that customer so that you're addressing their needs and you're creating an experience for them. So I agree completely, it all, it all revolves. And, and candidly, I'll rip that off from Southwest Airlines too. I mean, Southwest did group interviews and it has nothing to do with whether you can do the job. It has everything to do with, you know, they'll, they'll ask you to put on a skit about yourself or or paint something or draw something about yourself in a group of other interviewees and, uh, and you know they pay attention to, to you if you're not the one being interviewed. And if you're working on your presentation, they eliminate you, okay? If you're supporting the person who's up there, then you're gonna go on to the next round of interviews. So, so um, I kind of ripped that off from them, but I, I figured there's no better way to find out who somebody is than to just sit down and engage them in conversation in a group setting. So anyway. That's that's kind of how we deliver that experience.
2: Well, and that's what's what's really cool is is you and I have known each other from a, a distance, really, um, through community, and hadn't had the opportunity to have a one on one. So when your course came up, I'm like, I I'm jumping on this course. And um, you know, words are really powerful and really mindful. And when you started this course, you said something that literally like dagger in the heart in a good way to me, which was, you said, I'm Kevin Rubel, I'm a conscious capitalist. And then I had to sit in the what is conscious and what is capitalist and, and how do we put those together? And and through the course of your workshop, you invited people to dialogue with what do those words mean for you and how do you live from that place? And I know listeners to the show, we're going to have some business owners here. We're going to have some employees. We've got a lot of, of different people that that listen to the show and learn from it. But I, I really wanted to bring that conversation to the show because you so clearly and courageously stand for the I am that Kevin is and the gifts that you bring. And just by saying those words so clearly, you've owned a piece of growing conscious business. Yes. In the, the vertical of, of trains, but it's so much more than that.
0: Mm-hmm. It is. It is. I, uh, yeah, I, I do think that conscious capitalism has the potential to make a profound difference in our society. We, we're, we're at a point where we, we have to see a profound difference in our society because there's there's too much uh, factionalism going on right now, and um, there's not enough understanding that we're all one and we're all the same. Ultimately, have the same hopes and desires. But we just may express them differently. And so, you know, it's it's I, I'm not really doing much different than I than just what I learned at Southwest Airlines when I was consulting there. Uh, many years ago. I don't want to say how many. Well, yeah, y'all don't say how many. it was like, it was, it was like 30 some years ago, almost 38 years ago. So I was like five years old. Um, but when back back then, it was um, um, people first customers, second shareholders, third, because uh, and in my view, the way to, to develop a conscious company is to develop the consciousness of the people in your company. So we spend a lot of time watching Brene Brown's podcasts about about vulnerability and about shame and about empathy um we 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 spend a lot of time talking about these kind of things that that some people might to go back to your comment might put into a spiritual bucket or a personal development bucket personally i don't think there's any buckets i think it's all the same it's all one you know so um i think because conscious capitalism is uh, about purpose that transcends profitability and you have to have profitability because no margin, no mission. Right. But it's about a purpose. And, And the way I like to say it is how do you make this world a better place? How does your presence, your business's presence make this world a better place? And, um, hopefully that that answer that answer can can be articulated in a sentence you know this is how we do it with us it's supporting people's joy around trains right it's uh it there there are some that are perhaps more noble like providing water to west africa or something like that i think we're i think we're making a difference by by you know by raising people's level of enjoyment but um but that's what conscious capitalism is about is about uh it's about Basically, just bringing consciousness to um, to our culture and to society, and it's about uh, making a difference in the world, a positive difference in the world, as the primary purpose of your business. So, um, I think it I think it holds some great potential.
2: Now, we throw the word consciousness around like you know, cereal, like it's an easy word and everybody agrees, and we all know what that word means just break that down for people for whom that word may be different. What does conscious capitalism really mean?
0: That's a great question. I think where the, where the, where those two, those two terms cohabitate, you know, because as I think I mentioned in the class, the first time I, uh, I was going to a, uh, a workshop up in Boulder, and um, um, the, the hostess at the, at the restaurant said, oh, conscious capitalism, isn't that an oxymoron? And a lot of people could say that because capitalism as it's practiced today is a lot more like crony capitalism, as uh, uh, Whole Foods founder John Mackey and his co-author Rash Sasodia has coined that term, um, which is basically what's in it for me. Um, I think this type of capitalism is focused on making the world a better place, as I mentioned. Um, and I think that's where the consciousness comes in, because you, you, you can't do this kind of thing. Well, you can, maybe not as effectively, to do it incidentally. You know, there are a lot of companies perhaps that do this incidentally. There are a lot of companies that have employee ownership, which is another aspect that I'm very much um, a proponent of. Um, incidentally, because, I, and before there was a term conscious capitalism, I used to call it, uh, companies who get it, <laughs> companies who just get it. And they are companies who don't, they think the whole purpose of the, the business is to drive profits and to drive revenues and, you know, and, and, and to provide financial results for the owners. Um, that's important. That's not, uh, that's not the overarching purpose of conscious Conscious business. So I think that's where the consciousness comes in is, is the, is the intention of the deliberately stated intention of making the world a better place in a particular way. And I think the way to do that is to, is to help people better their lives individually. So that's why I say, you know, developing a conscious organization is a function of developing the consciousness of the people in the organization. In our values, our our own organizational values, one of which is uh, uh, sustainability and um, longevity, we uh, acknowledge that we're responsible for our own outcomes as an organization. The world out there doesn't happen to us. When I was at Marquette Rail, our railroad, once our revenue spigot turned off during the 2008 recession i told our people i said there's rumor that there's a recession and we're not going to participate uh, because i wanted to stress that we are responsible for the outcomes of our business and the way to do that is in my mind is to help individuals understand that life is lived from the inside out not the outside in so it's i'm not a function of the stuff that happens on a daily basis i'm actually more likely, the creator, of the stuff that happens on a daily basis. So um, that's that's kind of how I tie that together. Did I answer your question?
2: I, absolutely, I loved that story. You told it before um, because it is it's for some people that's really really a new a new concept. I, I am not participating in in the recession and then watching your company continue to grow um, in spite of what the stories were being told outside. So, so Kevin, we're having a great conversation here. I'm going to just take a quick, short break, and then we're going to come back and talk just for a couple minutes about your own personal practice with mindfulness that I know inspires your work in Conscious Capitalism. We'll be right back. Great.
1: The Everyday Mindfulness Show is brought to you by Leadership Solutions International. Are you hosting an upcoming conference or convention? Or looking for a speaker to provide inspiration and motivation? Would you like your audiences to know what you know as a listener of the Everyday Mindfulness Show? Check out Leadership Solutions International for more on mindful leadership keynote offerings, on site mindfulness information centers, and trainings.
2: Great. We're coming back with Kevin Rubel, Conscious Capitalist, and we're going to just switch up the conversation for a few more minutes and talk about what we'd like to talk about on the show sometimes is, do you have a personal spiritual or mindfulness practice? Are you a -a sit-on-a-yoga mat person? Are you a walk-in-nature person? We know there's no right or wrong, but we're always inspired by how do people nourish their own soul so that you can, in your own words, work towards fulfilling this mission of helping people in the world?
0: Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I have a, uh, I have a couple and, um, and I have one that's kind of fun from, from the past that, that I unfortunately can't practice anymore. But, um, today that practice is, um, I, 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 start every day with meditation, um, because I think that's, uh, that's the way to make sure that the, the mindset that I wake up with is carried out throughout the day because I, I just don't like wasting days, you know, and I don't like having a day where, you know, I get myself into a funk and then, you know, it's, it's, uh, I have to find something to, to divert myself to, um, you know, to get ready to start over the next day. So, um, I, 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 have a pretty active, um, um, meditation practice. In fact, I'll be doing that. This will be going to a retreat this weekend to do that. Um, um, to expand upon that. Uh, and, um, and yes, it, yeah, almost anything that that gets me out of my head, you know, and gets me into my body. Now, since I moved to Colorado, that was, uh, that's become snowboarding. And I, since I bought the business, I've had precious little time to do that. Unfortunately, I've been had this practice of buying passes each year and then not using them, unfortunately. But, um, you know uh, how i did that at the railroad is i um i became a student engineer and at one point in time um i don't think i told this story in the class but at one point in time and i won't tell it here but there, it's a long story but at one point in time we were basically um suing a nationally known crime family in in federal court <laughs> um, about some some shipments and stuff like that. They were fairly nefarious. So we um, we had uh, all these attorneys on retainer and, you know, we're, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to come home and my kid's kneecaps are going to be broken or something. And it was stressful at times. So on occasion, you know, maybe 10, 11 in the morning, I would tell my staff, I'm going to go get my rest. And they knew what I meant. And I'd go home, I would... Uh, I'd sleep till about seven, I'd have some dinner, and then I'd run over to uh, to Baldwin and uh, get on the road train and tell the crew, I'm your engineer tonight. And when I was operating, you know, five locomotives, um, you know, 11,000 horsepower or whatever, and have a, a mile of train behind me, going up and down hills around curves all at the same time, all I could really focus on was what I was feeling in the seat of my pants as, as the engineer operating that locomotive and am I going to pull the train into him? Is it going to run into me? So, um, um, you know, when you asked me that question, that was the first time I've really made that connection that that was, that was, uh, what was one of my favorite mindfulness practices because I couldn't be thinking about the phone ringing and about the lawsuit and about, you know, the, the audit and everything else we're going through as an organization, um, when I'm having to be, present in that moment in my body and um i love that as a mindfulness practice you know i don't have a railroad anymore so i can't do that <laughs> but it was but it was it was an it was an awesome practice and it and it i really learned from that that when i am in a place where i'm where i'm really having to be in my body and paying attention to what's going on in here that um that that has a very centering and very calming effect And and it's, it's a form of meditation. And so I can, I can do that today in hiking, you know, Um, but hiking's not as much of a challenge to me as snowboarding was when I was first learning it. So it doesn't force me as much to be in my body. So occasionally I can get a little bit chatter come in, even if I'm in nature hiking. Um, And fortunately I'm, I'm to the point with, with my meditative practice where that's, that works pretty well. I can drop in pretty quickly with that.
2: Well, Kevin, thank you so much for such an authentic and, and generous sharing. And I would invite listeners as you're, as you're hearing Kevin's story, think about it in your own, own experience, where, wherever you are, you are working, how can you find those moments where you're so completely mind body spirit centered in it that that you're being nourished by the joy and nourishing that that other that other person or in this case you know the train that would there there is no separation when we just get fully aligned with what is ours to do and to be and I love this story because you know so you you gave us the feeling tones there Kevin so few of us actually will ever get to drive a big train and yet I can feel myself sitting in that in that seat as you tell that story
0: no, thank you. Thank you. It was fun. It was fun.
2: So what are you working on now? Is, is there anything we can help you with as you continue to grow this place of conscious capitalism and bring some smiles and some train experiences to enthusiasts and those who are maybe just curious and want to learn about the work that you're doing?
0: Well, um, that's a good question. I, I, you know, right now, I think as we mentioned in the, uh, and in the uh, in the class, um, we're going through a bit of a transition in that what we've we've learned a lot of lessons about um, just about our business and about what we want to focus on and what's the best way to focus on that and in a manner that uh, employs capital in the best way. So we're in the process of we're in the process of uh, of uh, raising some uh, some debt capital for the first time in our business so that we can um better inventory our store to um and also build more model railroads in our store we have we have four right now five right now i think and we eventually want to have and i don't remember whether it's nine or ten because our focus is um on the experience although you know i'll, I'll hasten to add we've We've taken our inventory down to a low point in preparation of bringing more in, and um, and we've had some com- customers complain about that. Um, but you know, it's amazing to see all these cars lined up out front, and I, I sometimes I'll see that and I'll think, what could they be buying? Because we've we've sold our inventory down to a low point. And I'm realizing that they're coming in for that experience and they walk out with something every time, but they're coming in for that experience and to support their enthusiasm for trains. So, um, um, so that's, that's kind of, that's what we're working on right now. That's what I'm working on right now. And, um, and it, it, at times is challenging, you know, and it, it tests my patience. Um, but I, I have a, a, another part of my mindfulness practice is a weekly check in with a, with a uh, with a meditation and prayer partner of mine who is a uh, um, science of mind minister, so um, that that's been super helpful. I look forward to that. That was just last night. I look forward to that hour, hour and a half every week, you know, because that that helps um, that helps a lot. So it's 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 just you know, it, it, being being mindful and being intentional. I think um, holding the intention. Without and at the same time, practicing detachment from the steps is 100% of what I'm what I'm involved in. And it's and it's, it's something I have to practice every day because it's, it doesn't come easily for most of us. I know it doesn't come easily for me, you know, grab it, get in there and take control and, you know,
2: Well, Kevin, I'm I'm so glad that you said yes to being on the show and I'm going to take a leap of faith here and, and I'm going to plant an idea and I bet you're going to be in on it. So, you know, the show Everyday Mindfulness Show is we have the podcast that comes out every week and then it has a book that has a daily reader and inspiration and we teach people to set an intention every day. So if you're up for it, um, sometime in the next couple months, I'm going to come down to the store, and we're going to record live, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about intention, give people a tour of some of the trains and the work that you're doing. Would that be okay?
0: That'd be awesome. I'd love that, of course.
2: Awesome. So uh, you know, there's a lot of people that don't live in Denver. If you're coming to visit Denver, we want to make sure you get the caboose on your, on your tour itinerary. But if they're not going to come here, what's your website? Because people can still interact with you online.
0: Mycaboose.com. Mycaboose.com is our website, and we're in Lakewood on Alameda on the west side of Denver. If you, if you do get into town, we have people that come here from, we have 91, I think, we're 91,000 customers all over the globe. So we'll have people come in from Sweden and New Zealand, and they'll drive, you know, 100 miles out of the way to come to our store. So come on by. We'd love to see you.
2: Awesome. Well, we're doing definitely-
0: I'm up I'm up for that. That sounds great. We'll do that.
2: Awesome. Well, any parting words before we let you get back to the caboose?
0: I think I'm just, you know, I'm just, I just want to get back and get in that caboose and put a fire in the fireplace. because It's a little chilly here in Denver today. So, and get some, get some more work done on the, uh, on the intention.
2: Right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Remember mindful matters. And so do you. We look forward to coming out and seeing you again soon.
1: Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more mindfulness every day, visit everydaymindfulnessshow.com and download the three-day challenge and experience the ABCs of mindfulness.